Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Mathias. I want to welcome you to Brilliantly Brave Parenting, the podcast. Hey there, I'm Robert Peason, and uh, we're really glad that you joined us today. Yes, we are. Robert. Yeah. We've been talking about Maine a little bit. A little bit? That's all you talk about. Well, I mean, it's kind of new to me. Yeah. Um, and when you experience new things, you That's sort true. of fixate on them, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you find that really good cereal that you've been looking for, like Cinnamon Life. Okay. Oh, I'll trust gosh. you on that. That stuff's dust. Mm. You know how I found it? How? My grandson. <laughs> That makes sense, actually. Yeah. That makes so, a lot of sense. Cinnamon Life is uh, my new favorite cereal. You don't even need milk. You can just chew on that stuff. Hmm. It's really good. Okay. Try it. I'll give it a whirl. If you like cinnamon. Yeah. It's like little cinnamon toast, but not too sweet or sugary. Huh. Kind of nice. Okay. You can put them in a Ziploc bag, go anywhere and be happy, just like his 18-month-old self. Okay. So well, that's what we got for you today. Yeah. That's, I'm brilliantly brave. So, there's a little tidbit for those uh, <laughs> who have toddlers. Um Robert, you've been all over. You've been uh, developing a new ministry, Solo Parent Society. And one of the questions I have for you, what are you reading? What are, What's uh, inspiring you literarily? Well, you got me into being uh, an audible junkie. Oh. And so I have just been, since I found that, because I'm not a good like sit down and, you know, when I have time to read, I never have a book with me. And so the audible thing is like really changed my life. So I've been, I'm, I'm literally, I'm doing like three, four books a month, um, which before it'd be like one a year. Um, and so I, I vacillate between fiction and nonfiction. One of the most interesting books that I read recently was a book um, by the Arbinger Institute. It's not an author, it's an institute. And it's called The Anatomy of Peace. Um, I went to a conference and I sat next to this guy and he said, you've got to, you got to read this book. It would, it will change your perspective on, on world affairs, everything. Anyway, the anatomy of peace, it's, it's about how to deal with conflict with people, with your kids. And it's written in a way that's not like a self-help book. It's really interesting. It's just telling a, uh, a fictitious story, but you, you relate to the characters in the story. And I learned so much about conflict, about what conflict is and how to manage it. And it's called the anatomy of peace. I could not like recommend it highly enough. It's fantastic. Wow. That's strong. That's That's strong. Well, I think for parents who are listening, you know, learning how to resolve conflict is a big deal. Well, one of the things that it focuses on, it, it takes place. The, the kind of scenario is these parents that have all brought their kids to a wilderness kind of camp, like, Parents have lost hope in some cases because their kids are just doing drugs, they're doing whatever, and so they take them to this wilderness thing, and then there's two-day intensive with these leaders where the parents all meet. And so it actually is centered around relating to your kids and relating to each other, but it, there's so many parallels throughout like the business world or whatever. So I, I seriously can't recommend it highly enough, The Anatomy of Peace. And you listened to it on Audible. I did, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, one of the cool things about technology is that we can engage with different people that mm-hmm. are in completely different places. And this is true. Yeah. And today I'm really excited about our guest, Lori Shoemaker. She's a blogger. She's an author. And I'm, I'm really excited about this topic. Um, so we want, we want to welcome to the show, first of all, Lori, um, we're so glad that, uh, that you're joining us today. 
Thank you so much for having me. So I love this idea of surrendered hearts. And, you know, none of us get to the place where um, to surrender, it would indicate that there's something <laughs> to surrender from or to or whatever. And um, it's never comfortable. And I know that your journey walked you through some very trying times. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about the adoption story and, and how you learned to trust. I'd say each step of, of the adoption process was a, a stage of surrender. It was kind of like a layer, like an onion, peeling away those, those mm. layers. But the heart of the surrender came a year into the process of actually after we'd filed our original paperwork. Um, the years before, of course, involved, you know, praying for my husband's heart to, to align with where I was in wanting to adopt and praying for financial things to happen in our family where my husband felt comfortable that we could embark on another huge debt, um, you know, because international adoption is very expensive. Um, so, you know, there was so many layers of surrender, but the heart of it came a year after we'd filed paperwork and we were waiting to be matched. Um, so the Ministry of Justice in Bulgaria has all your paperwork. I mean, like inches and inches of thick paperwork, just a, a file of everything about you, your family, and every background check you can possibly imagine. I mean, every detail in the world is in that. And so they have that, and they are trying to match the families up with children that become available. And so we felt, interestingly, my husband and I had felt that we were not really that equipped to be special needs parents. There were some minimum ones. I mean, I'm a, I'm a teacher by trade. I have worked with young children and in development. I'm a um, have a master's in bilingual multicultural education. So there were some things. You know, the language thing was not a scary thing for me. Speech was not a scary thing for me. There are some things and that that we felt we were comfortable with. But God always knows so much more, doesn't He? Mm -hmm. He knows what we're uh, capable of far beyond we what we know. And so. We were just waiting for that. But me in the meantime, I would get emails from the adoption agency. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's weekly. And they would send out emails of children that had children in that, that they were um, advocating for in an extra way because they all had special needs. And it's it's sadly, it's difficult to find families for children with special needs. And I understand why, but it's still a, a sad circumstance. But so the adoption agencies are allowed to be proactive for these children. So we would get the emails and I would always open them. I would always read the children's stories and their bios and I would pray for them. And, but I never felt anything in me beyond that compassion for these children. Hmm. Nothing that would change our course. And then one morning I open up my email and staring hmm. at me is this face of this little girl. And it was a Holy Spirit moment. It just a heat wave from head to toe. The tears just started pouring and I couldn't stop them. I was shaking and I was in that moment, I was convicted that that was the little girl that was meant to be ours. At that point, I didn't know what why she was in a special needs listing, what her you know special needs were at anything. All I had seen was the picture. So it, it just she was just the face that I had in my mind, maybe since I was a little girl that of of the one that would be my daughter someday. It hmm. was just the most amazing moment, one that that I can relive again and again. The moments when I'm really frustrated with my daughter right now. I stare at her <laughs> and I'm like, you are the little one God meant for me. <laughs> <laughs> but so um 
you know, I did the research, found out what she had um, as special needs. It was it was very minimal. It was something I thought, wow, we probably could handle this. But I was terrified to tell my husband that, you know, she's on a special needs list. Was he going to be completely opposed to that since we had decided we probably weren't that equipped? Um, but I showed my husband her picture that evening, and I got our, our boys to bed, the house quiet, and I made him promise me. I said, Brian, you're going to look at this, please, and I don't want you to say a single word until you fully look at her picture and read all of it. Don't make any judgments. Don't talk. Nothing. <laughs> he said, all right. And so he didn't even need to read the paper. He saw her face and had that same feeling. And, you know, and guys, they have that Adam apple that kind of goes up and down yeah. to kind of curb the, that's what was going on with him. And, and I knew that he felt the same way. So of course I just started crying all over again. So that was our first day, our first moment we were convicted. So he said, get going tomorrow morning. First thing, call our caseworker and get this moving. So I did that the next morning, filed all the miles of paperwork that we had to do to, finalize this process. And all we were waiting for was a meeting from the Ministry of Justice. So they have their bi-monthly meetings and they would take all the applications and then just kind of stamp them with their approval. So it was kind of just a formality. Although our caseworker did say, Lori, guard your heart because anything can happen in the world of adoption. And and we go into that and they train you to know that. And and we all know that as parents, we know that anything can happen, that that the, there are surprises around every corner. And so I somewhat braced myself, but yet I was so convicted that this child was meant to be ours that I, I didn't have that much concern at all. I was simply waiting that morning for the phone call from our caseworker to tell us, all right, it's, it's approved. Here's your travel dates. This is when you're going to be picking up your daughter. And so the phone call came in and, um, as soon as I heard her voice, she didn't even have to say it. I knew something was wrong. Hmm. And she said, Lori, I'm so sorry. It's not good news. I, I don't know how or why or what, but but you're, but you're Sayla, because we, we gave her the name Sayla. In our hearts, that's the name God had given us for her. Hmm. Your Sayla was, was adopted by an Italian family. Wow. And Yeah. And I, I just... You know, of course, I was crying right there on the phone, and I was just in disbelief. I really did. Am I hearing you right? Are you are you playing an awful joke on me? Is there is there there's got to be a miscommunication? And I wouldn't let her hang up because I kept waiting for her to get another email or something that was going to tell her that this that, that she'd gotten the wrong information. Uh, so I I hung up, and um, I had a couple of my dearest girlfriends coming over, and. Um, they had been planning to come over to celebrate, but they came over and got my news. So um, they were a, a godsend to be there with me in those moments. And our family was devastated. Our little boys were devastated. They'd already loved their sister and were talking about when she's going to be coming home and were ready to come home from school and celebrate. I gave my husband the news over the phone and he couldn't believe it. He was in shock. Um, and so, you know, the next six months, it was grief. It was this profound grief. And I, for those people who have not ever adopted, God does something in your heart when he calls you to adopt. And he, he makes you love a child the same way as you would love a child that was birthed within you. So it doesn't matter if they grow in your heart or in your, in your womb, you, you love them. It gives you that mother's love. Mm. And I've, 
I've suffered a miscarriage before, and I can honestly say that the grief I felt in that moment was very comparable to the grief I felt when we got that phone call. And so for the next six months, I grieved, but I wasn't, I wouldn't let it go. I said, God, you convicted me of this. Why? Why would you convict me of this? Why would you convict our whole family? Why do I love her so passionately, yet she's not meant to be ours? I can't believe this. And so I kept wrestling with him with that. And then it came to one weekend. And I, my husband went away with the boys to give me a weekend alone uh, to really just, just pray and think and try to heal because he knew I was holding on to this grief in, in a way that wasn't healthy anymore. And so that weekend, I, that's what I did. I prayed and prayed and dug deep into the word. And I finally got to this point where I knew I needed to surrender. And I said, okay, God, she's yours. She was yours long before she was mine. Even though she's all the way over in Bulgaria, she's, she's not mine. She's still yours. And I'm giving her back to you. And if the Italian family is who's meant to be her parents, I'm going to celebrate that with you because that's what you've designed. And if you've only put her in my life so that I can pray for her for the rest of my days, then I'm going to count that a gift. And I'm going to praise you for allowing me to be her prayer warrior for forever. Wow. And I may never know the answer as to why I wasn't allowed to be her mom, but I'm going to praise you for allowing me to pray for her. And I can say that weekend that I, I got to the place of accepting that, to that, you know, that grief, the, the, the process of grief, I got to the acceptance of saying, okay, I, I can do this. And I wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly surrendered. I didn't just surrender in word. I surrendered all of it. And the miracle in it is that once I surrendered, it was merely a week later that God began to work and, um, and miracles began to happen. So talk to us about that. What was happening to Selah this entire time? <clears throat> like, um, did she, was she aware of you or was this just like a one side you were aware of her and, and moving down the road? one-sided. Okay. She had no idea about us at that time. She had, so her story is that she was um, placed in the orphanage upon birth. So she never lived in a family with, at all. So wow. she was in one orphanage and then had at the age of just, just shy of three, she was moved to another orphanage. And um, so she was just spending that time in the, or sadly in, in orphanages without, without a lot of love. Wow. So fast forward a little bit. What what ended up happening when you when you decided to surrender and and you said that a miracle took place? <laughs> well, to save some time and to leave a teaser for the book, um, I will say that what happened is that God brought me together with a woman in Hawaii, a woman in Ohio, through a international chat group of thousands of people and a random comment that I happened to make. I'm not at that point. I was really, I wasn't a a big blog or anything. I had a little family blog, but I wasn't comfortable on any kind of social media that much. So I wasn't much of a commenter or very active. I was more, I'd read and take in the information, 
But I happened to email this one woman whose story really stood out to me. And she was such an encouragement in a place that can get kind of negative where people are really frustrated with the system. And I happened to email her and say, you know, thank you for being such a positive person in this. And I've loved your story and God bless you on, on your whole, on your daughter and everything that you have going on. And, you know, she started a friendship with me. I didn't expect her to respond, but through that woman, I was eventually connected to another woman in Hawaii who it turns out very long story short, Sela was not adopted by an Italian family. The paperwork fell through immediately. Wow. And then the country, and then Bulgaria, because this woman in Hawaii knew somebody on, um, in somebody within the government and in Bulgaria, and that this other woman had been wanting to adopt, and, and they took compassion on her story. They didn't bring Sela's case back up to the board to put us and the other person in front of the board to to match her to approve like to give us a chance to be approved again what they did is kind of under the table gave gave this woman the right to adopt this daughter this Mm. little girl Mm. and then this woman had gone over to bulgaria to meet Sela because it's a two trip program. So you go one time for a week to meet and spend time. And then you go before the court and say, yes, I do want to adopt. And then you wait for them to process paperwork again. And you go back after they do that and you pick up your child. So she'd gone over and she spent the week with Sela and she couldn't bond with her. Hmm. And that entire week, she ended up feeling like I'm not, I'm really not meant to be her mom. And she was grieving over that, but she realized Sela knew had some extra special situations that she was going to need help in some extra special needs. And she was going to need a lot more help than she was able to provide as well. She's a single mom. And so at the point when we were ultimately connected, she had just turned in the paperwork to say, I can't adopt her. Hmm. And When I called our caseworker the morning that I put all these pieces together, and in the book I go through all of the the stories because it's it's over like another month span that this takes place. And this is also like seven months after we'd already lost her. And I so when I call our caseworker who thinks that I'd lost my mind and just was (laughs) You know, she said, Lori, honey, she's been long. She's adopted a long time ago. I'm like, please, I haven't lost my mind. Please trust me. I can't tell you all the details because you're not even supposed to be having these conversations. Bulgaria can pull your rights to adopt if you're talking about all this during the adoption. You're Hmm. not supposed to be communicating with other parents. It's very, it's, there's, it's very strict. Hmm. And so I was nervous to give anybody facts or to put anybody in a position where they could get in trouble with anything. So I just said, please trust me. Don't ask me any questions, but check on her file, please. So she called me back within a few hours and she said, Lori, you're not going to believe this, but Sela's file was on a desk in the Ministry of Justice. And it was in the file that was about to be put in the file cabinet of the unadoptable. Wow. And that's the case, the file, the cabinet that never gets opened again. And these wow. children just stay, stay in the system. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's amazing. Well, we, and, well, you, I'm go, go on. 
Um, so, so yes, so we find out and, and then the story, it, it gets still gets even more layers of surrender and surrender and surrender. And then even after we come home, surrender again. So, you know, that whole piece of surrender is just so critical in parenting, you know, in, 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 in any story, in anything you ever face, because I think sometimes we're holding on to things so tightly and wanting to control it and wanting it to be the way we want it that we don't allow the room for God to come in and do his miracles. You know, if we really trust him, we need to make room in our life for him to work. Hmm. Yeah, as I'm listening to you, Lori, I'm thinking of the applications for any family in any situation. Um, it is always a temptation for us to try and seize control or what we think is control of situations that we really, really want to happen. Um, and it is such a leap of faith. It's literally like getting out of a boat and walking on water to say, I am going to surrender my plans for your will. And um, it sounds like you've done that, and it has not only turned out better, but it turned out to be exactly God's will for you. And that was about seven years ago. Is that correct? Well, actually, just um, in about 10 days, we'll be celebrating uh, our eight-year anniversary of bringing her home. Wow. So it would have been, you know, from when all that, because it was still another, um, from the time we found out, it was almost a year from the time I made that connection with those ladies. Um, it was almost a year before we were able to bring her home because, again, even between our visits, when we when we got over there to meet Sela. And then we were told that it would only be a three to four month wait to go back and get her. We had every adversity come against us yet again. And it was seven months before we were able to get back to her. And, um, hmm. you know, another level of trusting God because and surrendering because there, you know, even today, our, our daughter has a lot of a lot more special needs than we were when we, than we anticipated. And she is a lot more emotionally scarred. And the last few months that she was there, she was a very sick little girl and not getting the attention she needed and mm -hmm. um, was going through a lot of abuse. And um, I asked God, you know, why? Why was she there? Why was she? Why did you not get her to us quicker? Why could we not get to her? But through it all, God showed me again and again that that he made it happen for a purpose. Of course, when I come face to face with him, I'm going to have some questions <laughs> about yeah. that because there's some things we just, we don't get the answers to, you know, there's some things we see in hindsight, we get to see those answers and we see him put the picture together, but sometimes, sometimes we don't. And that that's, we just have to give those back to him and trust him enough to, if, if we could trust him to make the miracles happen before we can trust him to say that even in this, where we don't see the miracle, he's still good. And the story is good. I think what's remarkable about your story, I mean, there's so many facets of it that I think are remarkable, but um, God gave you a dream. God even identified a person. Um, and throughout it all, like there was adversity, as you call it, and frustration and disappointment. Um, you kept faithful and like going, no, I believe that God put that you, I don't quite understand this or whatever. And I think it's, I, I think about my own life and thinking when God speaks something or I, something is evident that it is God's will or God's moving. Um, at that point, I kind of figure, I, okay, I've got it from here, God. 
And really God's intention is to walk us through being patient with the process. And so often we jump to the conclusion before we allow dynamics to unfold that shape our character and shape who God wants us to become. What would you say to the person out there that has a very strong indication that God has something for them or has made something clear? Maybe it's a calling, maybe it's a, a, a you know, an, an outcome, whatever it is. And then they feel like, okay, was that really from God? Because I felt like it was from God and yet it seems like everything is coming against me. I know that in my own life, I I, I can see that over and over, you know, and God's wanting the process to, to kind of unfold. But what would you say to the person out there that is feeling like God placed something in their heart, but it's just not, it's not coming to fruition? I would say a couple of things, you know, first check that conviction that you have, check it. Does it align with the word of God? Mm-hmm. Is it something, you know, that would come from God? And, and if so, if that's true, then hold on, just stay faithful to him and just keep following where you feel him leading. Um, and not just on a whim, let's not, you know, I don't, I don't want to ever advise somebody to just like go by your feelings because right. our feelings are, are not course. truth, right? You know, they lead us astray. Um, keep whatever you're feeling convicted, keep aligning that with the word of God, see if that's true. And then keep taking that next step where he follows. And he's, even if that dream that you have is a conviction and you in your humanity have formed it, formed that dream and put a vision and a look to it in one certain way, know that it may look different, but even if it's different, it can be so much better and it'll be, and it can be something that is far beyond our imagination. Like another part of, of an example of that is that, you know, after we got our daughter home, my dream of what life was going to be like with our daughter is not at all what my life is like with my daughter at all. (laughs) And, you know, I thought I had been a teacher for many years. I'd worked with children in ministries for so many years. I had two boys myself. You know, I I saw children and and got the whole parenting and and teaching thing really well. Mm -hmm. This little girl was a brand new experience and, and her needs were so profound and it did turn our family upside down again. And I had to learn once again that my dream wasn't wrong. God didn't place the dream to adopt and I was wrong about it. God didn't place the dream to um, this of this little girl and this little face and convict me of that because I was I was wrong and misreading that with him. It it all was preparation hmm. for the fullness of the dream and for who our family is today and the kind of mom and the the faith that's strengthened. I mean, we are a completely different family because of this adoption and because of this little girl in our family and and becoming a special needs family for her. Um, And that's a dream that was far beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Yeah. Well, you know, as we've been listening, uh, this is a really, really profoundly intimate uh, insight into the struggles of of adoption, and for families that are listening right now, there are probably several who are prayerfully considering if God's calling them to adopt uh, a child, either internationally or domestically. Where would you recommend parents who are seeking more information to go? Are there any resources or links that you recommend, Lori? 
I have a ton. And if you, if people would go to my website at laurieshoemaker.com, I have on the page where you can click the link to the book. So it has the Surrendered Hearts book. On that page, I have a whole bunch of free resources that you just click on it and it gives you the PDF and you can print it right off. And so some of those are prayers and scriptures and those kind of resources just to help you during your wait to, you know, learn, learn to surrender, to learn to have patience, to wait well, all those kinds of things, those, you know, um, adversities that you face during, during adoption. So they're those kind of resources. But then a lot of the resources also are lists of websites I would go to and of, um, of books and of classes and all kinds of just um, abundance of, of different resources that any family could access. And so those are all free. They just go to that page and each one, it's in the margin over on the right-hand side. And it's um, there's like a printable little, little pa- there's a whole packet I have there for anybody. And you don't have to buy the book or anything. You can just go there and click on them and download them. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for spending time with us today. Your your story is inspiring. And I'm, I'm so glad that... Um, the outcome, even though it still continues to unfold and be something a little different than what you expected, but that that you were united with with her and and that uh, she was able to join your family. I, I just I I admire you so much for for what you've done and and um, grateful for you taking the time to to share your story with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I just I hope and pray that um, people are encouraged, you know, to surrender and. And you know, the, in it, in and of itself, the book, like you said at the beginning, it's 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 about learning to surrender, not just simply the, um, not just simply an adoption story and for adopting families, yeah. but anything you face and during your parenting, learning to surrender to to certain things that you have to face as a, as a parent. So I hope it encourages and points others to Jesus. I'm sure it will. Thank you for taking time. Thank you. Thank God you. Bless. We are excited to announce the Storms of Life study, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. It's a great subtitle, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know that students are stressed. And for parents and pastors, it's important to know what are the top three things that are really on the minds of our kids. So Brad, walk us through what they can expect from the Storms of Life. This is an eight-week study. It has uh, video insights. It has uh, presentations from a actual youth retreat with junior high and high school students. These kids are going to learn about how their faith can help them fight back the stress that they're living with every day at school. Check it out on iShineLive.com. All right, Robert. Well, that was... uh... That was going fast. She covered a lot of ground. There. She did. I mean, the, the, her story is um, remarkable. And honestly, I don't know if I had to, if I was faced with that call that she got, mm-hmm. I would, I think I would probably be tempted. I'm sure she was tempted, but to throw in the towel and go, okay, well, I don't, you know. Yeah. But the fact that she just kept believing that that's what God wanted, but she surrendered it and said, if, if my place in this isn't, to be her parent, but to be a prayer warrior for her for the rest of life, so be it, you know? I mean, I think so often, I say this often, that like we, if God gives us a dream in our heart or, or a, a conviction, 
we see that as a destination. And so we get so wrapped up in that, well, I must, it must mean this, it must mean this, it must mean this. And really, it's about the preparation for what God really has us. It may not be exactly. And so we get, we can't hold to like the, the exact things as much. And I love the fact that she did that. She said, I still believe that I was brought into Selah's life, but maybe it was something different. If so, I surrender to that. I think that's, that's really inspiring. Yeah, a couple things that I want to be really clear with our listeners, uh, just for the sake of the ministry position on some of this, surrendering to God doesn't necessarily mean you'll get what you want. Exactly. You know, that I, d- I don't want them to hear this story and go, okay, well, I'm going to surrender this, and then God will give it back to me. Right. It's not a, it's not a, a business deal. Right. You know, this is a transaction of the heart, and right. so God knows those things. Um, I, I couldn't help but notice that there was at least 14, 15 months in this journey of waiting for her. Between, of not knowing. Of yeah. waiting, like you said. So, you know, the remarkable uh, tenacity that she showed in trusting God mm-hmm. for this little girl is pretty cool. And it sounds like a mother's heart. Right. Yeah. So, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. We've uh, been talking with... Lori Shoemaker, uh, she is a, a blogger, and she's an author, and she's an adoptive mother of a Bulgarian girl, and her story is available on our website. We have links and information on how to get a hold of her and all of those cool resources that would help any family that's considering adoption. That's right. Thank you so much for joining. And listen, if uh, it would mean the world to us if you would go on to our podcast and subscribe and um, get involved with the conversations that we're having. We appreciate uh, everything that you guys uh, are going through as families, and we certainly are with you in that. And so if you think about it, go and leave a comment on iTunes or on SoundCloud, wherever you listen to this podcast. We really appreciate you, and um, thanks for spending a little time with us. God bless. We'll see you right here next week. Be encouraged, parents, you are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome. Hey, Robert, we've got some new stuff in the web store. Tell me about it, Brad. It's our very own swag. Really? Absolutely. Brilliantly Brave now has its own line of caps, cups, clothing. Yeah, everything, man. We got swag. Dog sweaters? Uh, 
I don't know about the dog sweaters yet, but we can work on it. Okay. So if you're a fan and you've been listening Brilliantly Brave and you want to share it with your friends, let them know that you're a supporter, hey, come to our website, iShineLive.com and find out more.